best friends. I'm Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And today we are discussing Catching Fire by Suzanne Collins, not Mockingjay. Not Mockingjay <laughs> because we had no clue what we were talking about last week. <laughs> I was a silly little goose and I just forgot which book is the second one. The second one is Catching Fire. So that's we what were, we're talking about. So sure of it that we said it probably eight times. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. We can't all be perfect. I know you guys think we're so perfect. We've never made a mistake, but it's we do. It's just like, in my head, you'd put the first two shortest titles first yeah. and then the longest one. And I, I think that's know. why I assumed. But also, Catching Fire just sounds like like the climax. You know what right. I mean? But, but it makes sense, though, because the Mockingjay is like the penultimate like, symbolism mm-hmm. for the rebellion. So I yeah, get it. But... I get it, too. I do. In my head, anyway, it was second. Sometimes we're wrong and we'll admit it, but it won't happen often. So, so really, you know, just <laughs> take it in while you can. <laughs> yeah, you guys should revel in this. I'm going to go ahead and read the back of the book before we give our ratings. And I'm just reading it off of Goodreads. So it says, against all odds, Katniss Everdeen has won the Hunger Games. She and fellow District 12 tribute Peta Mellark are miraculously still alive. Katniss should be relieved, happy even. After all, she's returned to her family and her longtime friend Gail. Yet nothing is the way Katniss wishes it to be. Gail holds her at an icy distance. Peta has turned his back on her completely. And there are whispers of a rebellion against the Capitol. A rebellion that Katniss and Peta may have helped create. Much to her shock, Katniss has fueled an unrest and she's afraid she cannot stop or that she's afraid she cannot stop. And what scares her even more is that she's not entirely convinced she should try. As time draws near for Katniss and Peta to visit the districts on the capital's cruel victory victory tour, (laughs) victory, victory tour, the stakes are higher than ever. If they can't prove without a shadow of a doubt that they are lost in their love for each other, the consequences will be horrifying. In Catching Fire, the second novel of the Hunger Games trilogy, Suzanne Collins continues the story of Katniss Everdeen testing her more than ever before and surprising readers at every turn. Actually, I agree with that. That's not even dramatic. Like, that is, it was a surprise at every turn. Yeah. It was serving. Slay. (laughs) So what would you rate this book? I personally, like the second and third books of this series way more than the first and I love the first don't get me wrong like Mm -hmm. you had to start with greatness to achieve more greatness yeah but I love like secret rebellion type stuff yeah so like this was right up my alley and true you I just like it when you start to like piece things together more because like you were getting like subtle hints at the beginning and whatever and so you're like what's gonna happen like we've got to go you know big from this and like drop in the stuff about like district 13 and like the mockingjay like trinkets and stuff everyone's passing around it was so like interesting to me and i was so so excited about this book it's we are a hose for a secret society oh absolutely um, yeah, I also love this book. I'd rate it a 10 out of 10 again. I love it as much as the first. And I think like this series totally holds up today. It was a very original story when it was written. Um, of course, we talked about how it inspired a bunch of other book mm-hmm. series. But you know, this was kind of the first of its kind. 
And the sequel in particular is serving like it doesn't fall flat at all because a lot of times with sequels, you're like, "Eh, I want to be super excited about it. Like I was the first one, but it's just kind of letting us down in some way. And this one does not disappoint. It's it's hard for, I think, authors to continue carrying that excitement and carrying the movement from like the prior books and really Suzanne Collins is one of the only authors that I've seen do it very, very successfully. Because like I said, even the third book is, you know, better than the prior two. Like, they yeah. just keep getting better. The third and you is don't, my favorite. You don't see that very often. Yeah. She truly is fantastic at her craft. And I hope she knows that. I'm <laughs> sure she does. I hope you hear this, Suzanne, and you remember how good you are at your job. But we'll kind of discuss the characters, how they've developed in the second book. And we have introduction to some new characters as well. Yes, who are amazing. They each just have, like, (laughs) this is one of those books where the supporting characters are just as important, if not more Mm -hmm. important than the main characters. Yeah, because of, like, the nature of this book, where it's a rebellion. They all rely on each other and they all have their own role. And it is so cool to see them all come together yes um we'll start with Katniss of course our little main girl I was you know how I was crying at the start of the first book because her and her cat hate each other yeah (laughs) I was tearing up at the start of the second book because she is now friends with Buttercup they have a relationship now and I think that's kind of a little metaphor for how Katniss has really opened her heart a lot since the first book she's um, we see that, too, with her relationship with her mother growing. Um, she's really trying to be less hardened. She's trying her best. It's hard because she's the face of rebellion. Yeah. But <laughs> she is like, you know what? I should open myself to love and affection more. And I just think that's so sweet to see. But her life is not really fostering that for her. No. <laughs> um she is still being manipulated by everyone around her yes like the whole idea like and it's it's an ongoing theme again because you know they want Peta and Katniss to seem like they're in love and like it's to quell the urges of rebellion or whatever but just the fact that they're like the only way you can do this is if you guys get married mm-hmm. at 17 and 18 respectively that these people will not rebel and it's like, yeah. well, that's a little crazy. Yeah. Like, what a weird thing to expect from a 17-year-old. And then not only that, but they're like, oh, it's not convincing enough. And so Peter's like, well, I'll do you one better. I have impregnated this young lady. And yeah. they're like, good. Throw her in there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. They're like, perfect. That's great for the viewership. Like, but it's funny. It's funny that the Capitol then doesn't see the rebellion as their fault at all, even though they're like knowingly throwing a impregnated, in love young couple into the Hunger Games again that literally just won a year ago. And they're like, this, see, this will get the people to just like kind of chill out. It's the people going. <laughs> and they're like, surely this rebellion is not our fault. It's just like, how fucked up? They're like, oh my god, they're so mad, they're gonna have a baby. Kill them. Kill them both. Kill all three of us. Kill them both. We won't rest until everyone's dead. Like, that is so messed up. Yeah. It makes it so convincing, though. Because, like, 
realistically, these people would be that evil. Yeah, it's like these these are true villains. Yeah. And I don't think I fully grasped that the first time I read this. I was like, oh my god, cute. Like, they are like really playing up that they love each other even though like i know deep down that they do love each other and i know that this is gonna end but at no point in time was all like huh that's probably bad that they were willing to like murder a pregnant woman i was just like what a ploy like these little smarties you were like in your mind you were probably thinking like wow yeah like that's so unfair like they do need to stick it to the man but like yeah that's an understatement kiddo you probably understood, but you didn't, like, understand. You no, know I, I, mean? don't, I don't think I fully was aware of, like, the whole... And that's normal for a child to, like, not fully grasp it. I think this book does a good job of, like, introducing these concepts to children in a way that is palatable to them still. Because clearly it, kids were eating this up. It also just really makes you wonder, too. And I feel like this is a really great metaphor for today society. But, like, I wonder what they are telling the children of the capital and the people of the capital for them to be like, this is the only way is yeah. to sacrifice this pregnant woman and her lover. It's probably giving Nazi Germany. Yeah, it's... It's very it's it's very interesting because like that that is things that definitely do happen. Yeah. Still. <laughs> and they history repeats itself. Like these things happen like, over and over again. Like people yeah. people we are smart, but we're not smart. And, and like people reading this book, they're like, Oh my god, that's so terrible. Like I but would never let that happen too. But it's happening. <laughs> yeah. It's literally happening. Like people are so easy to manipulate and they don't want to admit that. But like we are. Or like the the what's it called that they're trying to do in schools where they're they don't want to teach like certain parts of like American history. Oh uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I I know there's like a term for it. But yeah, um, they're basically they're whitewashing history pretty much. Yeah. So and that's like kind of what it reminded me of Mm -hmm. yeah like they're they're probably taking out certain parts of like what actually happened in the rebellion to be like no these people tried to steal your land and um and then we have poor little pita dude (laughs) once again he has done nothing wrong (laughs) he has done nothing wrong i will die on this little angel of a boy (laughs) Like, he is, like, masterminding, like, all these plans for them. He's like, yes, if I do this, like, this is going to win the approval of the people. And then from here, we can go to here. And he's like, yeah, we got it all figured out. And then you got Hamish and Katniss behind the scenes being like, yeah, we'll let him keep doing that. But this is what we're going to do. And then you have Hamish who's like, yeah, you keep doing that. But I have all this rebellion stuff going on here. Dude, he cannot catch a fucking break. Because PETA... He truly has a good heart and he wants peace and he wants what's best for the people. Like, of course, he hates the capital, but he's like, I mean, all I can do is just live my little life. And right. like, no, Peta, sorry, you're coming along because without you, we don't have Katniss. And without yeah. Katniss, we don't have a rebellion. And he's like, what the fuck did I do? I know. Like, to and get it's like thrown into Katniss this? is they're like Katniss is a rebellion and you're just here. You're and just you need here. to just stay here. But you're part of the narrative, and you're necessary. But we're not going to tell you anything. It's so fucked up. It's really fucked up. And I think that, obviously, Katniss 
Katniss was left out of plans this time too, because I think Haymitch knew that if, if he let Katniss in on it this time, she would have actually told Peta what's going on. And but Peta is trustworthy. Like I know, I that. still think Peta would have been like, I don't want to do it, but if that's what we got to do, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And we'll go ahead and jump to Haymitch really quick because. You know, this is involves him. But I kind of think his train of thought was the more people know a secret, the less likely it is to stay a secret. That's, so that's fair. I don't think that he was trying to betray either of their trusts at all. Again, it probably sucked for him to not be able to tell them. Well, and I'm sure exactly what went through his mind is like, hey, if they get a hold of these two children and like torture them. Mm-hmm they are going to tell which is a very fair train of thought yeah but also how sick <laughs> it is sick but i understand where he's coming from like this yeah, is no. a very this is a very strange circumstance to be uh throwing children into in the first place and i mean it's right. the reality of but, their society yeah. but I yeah how can you expect <laughs> teenagers to hold on to that to not break under like the torture of the capital, yeah. Exactly. No, um, no, he was he was absolutely right for that, but I but can I can suck. understand how betrayed they probably felt by that. Yeah, one hundred percent valid. But it really like it may in a strange way it makes me like Hamish more mm-hmm. because now like is he still a drunk? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was he using that as a cover? Also, yes. Yeah. Because, like, he, who knows how long he, did it say how long he had been doing this for? Like, how long he had been trying to put this together? Because. Ooh, I don't remember. Like, it couldn't have been, like, an overnight event. Like, he had probably mm-hmm. been working on this and trying to get things out since the last Hunger Games. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know how long, like, this specific plan was in the works, but. I'm sure I'm sure that they knew that they would have to act because the quarter quell they knew it was going to be something something wild yeah and they were like this is the perfect time to really get the rebellion off the ground well and I'm sure too because they were doing like the tribute um tour whatever he was like this is the most ideal time for me to get in contact with other people who might be behind this. Mm-hmm. And so that might also be kind of where it started going. But either way, like it makes you very proud of Hamish, you know, because he's doing something. Yeah. Everyone thought he wouldn't. And I like, yeah. I love that for him. I know. Cause he acts like he wouldn't. So it's a good strategy. It was a very pleasant surprise. Um, Sina, fuck, dude. Dude. Ouchie. First of all, he is a true friend to Katniss. Like, Katniss is, for some reason, the Capitol insists that the victors of the Hunger Games have to have, like, some hobby that they, like, showcase. It's weird as fuck. I don't know. But Katniss is like, I don't know how to do anything other than hunt. (laughs) I wonder if it's, like, because they have to draw a line somewhere in terms of humanity and be like, hey, see, like, they're fine. They know they're how fine. to make clothes. Like, do you see, see this cool thing? They're expressing themselves artistically. So they're not yeah. emotionally damaged. So Senna designs dresses for Katniss to pass off as her own hobby. He really gives her an out there. And of course, he continues to rebel 
through Katniss's wardrobe, the freaking wedding dress that mm-hmm. catches on fire and turns into a mockingjay is like Dope. the epitome of rebellion. Fuck you. And unfortunately, he loses his life for doing that. Like right as she's getting ready to like go into the hunger, like in, back into the mm-hmm. uh, games too, like just beats the shit out of him. So with Effie, we do see some more of the character development she was starting to show towards like the end of her appearance in the first book. She's clearly like emotionally attached to Katniss and Peeta. And Which I think is, is so nice. <laughs> it is, but it's like she's also in a horrible position. And we talked about this last time about like if you're raised in the capital, like do you truly recognize right how you're the problem? And I don't think that she used to until Katniss and Peta won the Hunger Games last year. And now they're being taken from her and being thrown back into the arena. And she's genuinely distraught about it. So she's starting to really feel the effects that I obviously the people that are in the districts are like, yeah, like no fucking shit. But she's never had that happen to her before. Right. And I I don't think you can necessarily, like, fully blame her either because she didn't grow up around that. And I think it is a big deal that she is experiencing some of that self-realization because that means she's willing to, you know, grow and learn as a person. But exactly, like, this is the first time that her loved ones are being taken from her like that. Yeah. And it's something that everyone else has been dealing with for 75 years, but... (laughs) She's like, but oh, sometimes yeah. it does take it happening to you to understand, which sucks, but that's the only way you grow. But again, um, it's realistic. Yeah, it is very realistic. And I think, I mean, we've read the books, obviously. I think she'll continue to have that self-development and she'll continue to have that self-growth. So I'm very, very excited to talk more about Effie in the third book. Me too. I kind of love her. I love Effie. I also really like Plutarch, Heavensby. What a great character to introduce in this book. So it's very interesting to me because we we had Seneca Crane in the first book, right? And Seneca Crane is just a sick, twisted individual to have come up with what he did for the Hunger Games. Um, At the end, it is kind of hinted at that he had maybe like a little bit of a a sentimental thing. And uh, Caitlin has the quote, but... He did inevitably die for allowing Katniss and Peeta to live and met an untimely end. We don't know how. In the movies, it says that he that was, he given was the forced same, to eat the berries. Which I think is really nice and poetic. And I, I personally wish, love that. I think that's a great twist. <laughs> so in the book, what page is this? Just kidding. My Kindle's not set to show me page numbers. So... <laughs> It says, figure it out. (laughs) Figure it out. It's like the very beginning, though, like chapter two. I have a problem, Miss Everdeen, says President Snow, a problem that began the moment you pulled out those poisonous berries in the arena. And then he goes on to say, if Seneca Crane had had any brains, he'd have blown you to dust right then. But he had an unfortunate sentimental streak. So here you are. Can you guess where he is? And Katniss is positive that he's been executed. Um, which is, yeah, that's that's the that's price you happened. pay when you betray the capital. <laughs> and right. so I do love that in the Catching Fire movie, they're like, oh, 
you didn't want them to eat the berries. Well, you can eat the berries. Bitch. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) But I do love the replacement for him. Plutarch is a very complicated character um, because he does have to play a sick and twisted individual to get into the role that he's in. I mean, you don't just get that job by yeah being a nice guy like he had to approve himself somehow and he has he has contributed to the hunger games yeah like you know in his role so like he has had to do some fucked up shit and i'm sure that probably has stuck with him but it's all for the bigger plan and so we like we said we love a good rebel spy um he is probably the biggest key in the rebellion out of all of them like i think he probably plays an even bigger role than Katniss does because he's what made it happen. Like he had to get himself into that position. He had to work behind the scenes. He had to, you know, build this entire arena that plays directly into the rebels path. And I'm not saying, you know, Katniss doesn't have a big role to play because she absolutely does. It's a lot to put on a 17 year old shoulders, but Plutarch is like the, the mastermind behind it all. He is putting in work. And also like if he were to be discovered at any point, like he would face a horrible horrible death yeah but he is a bad guy i'm not gonna like he is a bad person you have to do bad things sometimes to see change and i think this is a good example of that because if he hadn't if he hadn't done it if he hadn't gotten into this role and designed that arena so that they could like make their escape then it would have been someone else would have died like yeah or like nothing would have happened and the change wouldn't have happened right it's a great character we love you know who else you love (laughs) finnick o'dare (laughs) tabby's in love with finnick that was like one of the first like times in my life where i can like just distinctly remember being like wow like i'm attracted to that character yeah Finnick O'Dare's a bit of a sexual awakening. He is truly, I think, where the whole morally gray comes from, maybe. Ooh. Yeah. Kind of because you're just like, to wow, that. like he's kind of a dick. And like he, I don't think <laughs> but he's I a, like it. I don't think he's a good guy. But I like am intrigued by you. And no, then it turns out that point. he he is on the good side i don't know obviously if he's a good guy but i think he's honestly a fine guy like he has a persona that he plays where he is an asshole and arrogant and which is awful to be around gray (laughs) man yeah but it's it's a bit of a show because deep down he has a much more like soft heart than he would ever like, he know. would do anything for his family. Finnick O'Dare is the blueprint. He's the blueprint. And he him is... being in love with Annie is so pure and heartbreaking because she's broken and he still but he loves still her. he still loves her. So he is. He is the, he's the blueprint for the you morally gray character. Yeah. You know what, though? What? Sarah J. Mass had to have ripped off <laughs> The entire, because, like, think of Resand, okay? Mm-hmm. He is the douche who plays the bad guy, who has this bad persona, all to protect the people he loves, who is a broken girl, who had, who like, was some also traumatic like, thing happen to her. Catatonic Yeah. <laughs> and, like, 
had oh to gosh. convince everyone that like he was the bad guy on um, like to protect his family and like uh, <laughs> you're right because then like the whole thing like with Thera like Thera is basically written from Katniss Everdeen mm-hmm. how which, interesting yes which obviously Finnick specifically does have a different romantic interest right, in yeah, this yeah. book but she Annie is very she's been shattered and right. there is a point in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series where Feyre is, she's been quite shattered. And yeah. Rhysand still holds on to her specifically, even yep. though she's not really in a spot where she's capable of returning his love. Like, there's so many parallels between the the books. It's funny. That's actually so wild. And they're But funny. I will say... Even though, like, those characters, you know, follow really similar archetypes, I will say, like, the stories themselves are, are oh, yeah, very no. original. We're not, like, saying, coming like, for, for Sarah no, J. No, 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 no. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I think Finnick O'Dare was the basic blueprint that everyone is basing their Morley Gray characters off yeah. of. Yeah. And at this point, that type of character has been further popularized by Resand in Sarah J. Mass's work. So it's and- interesting. This is where the tree sickness started. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is where our our mental unwellness started. Yeah, this that was a very like big turning point for me. Mm-hmm. As a no, child. you're right. But I love Finnick O'Dare. I think he is awesome, and I again, it's it's a very complex character mm-hmm. that does a really great job of supporting our two main characters to the point where you're almost more interested in his backstory. Yeah. Like you could write a spinoff about him and I would read it. A hundred percent. Joanna. I think it's Joanna or Joanna. I can't remember how you pronounce it in the movie. We'll call her Joanna. She was a very interesting character. Again, who like had to come off at like as someone who plays a big game, who talks, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of shit because she's protecting herself like you can't be meek and you know sly at the same time like you can't act like you have all these things going on um because people will start to question like where your loyalties lie yeah and so she had to act like she was just in it for herself and it is like a matter of survival too because they're you know to really solidify her role in getting these rebels out of the arena she has to kind of go off with the careers and Mm -hmm. to do that she has to again play a part so she knocks Katniss unconscious smears blood on her so it looks like she's dead and cuts the tracker out of her arm Katniss meanwhile genuinely thinks Joanna's trying to murder her it is like fighting back it is like what the fuck yeah I mean, you can't blame her. She's like, Jesus, fuck. Well, yeah, because at that point, Katniss has no clue what's going on. She thinks, like, they are just trying their best to get out of there, has no plans for the future at that point. Like, got to get out. And then Joanna's like, I'm going to slice into your arm. She's like, whoa! Like, (laughs) poor Katniss, dude. But Joanna pulls it off. She she pulls the performance of a lifetime. And I'm pretty sure in the end... um, we find out in Marking Jay that she does get captured by the Capitol for this. Yeah. So like she really risked it all for Katniss. Yeah. Putting for her belief rebellion. in a girl that she does not know. Yeah. And who she probably thinks is weak in a lot of ways. Because you know? jo- Joanna is Joanna is older and she's been here before and she's probably like, 
who is this child that we're putting all of our eggs in a basket for? Yeah. Man, oh that's God. a tough situation. Yeah. Um, next, I want to talk about President Snow. Hear me out. One of the best <laughs> villains ever written. He was, and he is a villain. Like, he is genuinely so scary because everything about him is realistic. His yeah. evilness is tangible in a lot of the politicians that we see. Mm-hmm. And it's like we talked about last time. This reality is not out of the question. It's not far-fetched. It's like, not far-fetched. It's like this could be how things are a hundred years from now. Like it's not crazy. And so to see that is just terrifying. And he is like, he is truly evil, but it you just are so attached to his character because of how well he's written. And I cannot yes. wait to read the prequel. Because he is written to be so intelligent mm-hmm. and, and like not only intelligent, but charismatic. And so there's times in the book where he's like speaking to Katniss and like, you can't help but be like, okay, like I can see why people would follow him, why people mm-hmm. are listening to him because like everything that he says sounds believable and sounds like it could be true but like obviously we know it's not as the reader on the other side but there's like, a that specific says, scene that i yeah. want to talk about right now because it's like exactly what you're saying so this is during the victory tour he's already told katniss like you gotta convince me that you're mm-hmm. in love with this boy and so they go on to do this interview, and President Snow is there, too. It's the one in the Capitol, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of it all, like, there, he's joking with Katniss. Katniss is putting on a front and joking right back with him. At the end, he goes in, and she kind of, like, signals to him with her eyes, like, did I do it? And he gives, like, an almost imperceptible shake of his head. And with just that, Katniss is, like, her world comes crashing down. And so I'm just imagining, like, just this, he's got a pleasant look on his face, but he just gives a tiny little shake of his head that's, like, really signaling the end of your world. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how small of a movement he had to make for Katniss to be, like, we got to go, like, we got to flee, I got to get Gail, we got to run. Like, she was, her life was flashing before her eyes in that moment. And it was just such a small thing. I love a really well-written villain because I feel like a lot of the times in, you know, a lot of the literature we we read, you have this villain and they are very, very surface level. Like the plans that they have set are very surface level, like honestly are defeated relatively easy. Mm -hmm. Like President Snow is like a mastermind. Like. It took them a while to take this man down. Like, he was truly, truly an adversary. And even at the end, like, and we'll we'll talk more about it next week, too. Like, even at the end, like, it was still kind of touch and go there. And it could have gone either way. He puts up such a fight that takes so much more from them along the way. It is genuinely, I cannot wait to talk about the third book because it is a wild ride. (laughs) And the thing about President Snow, too, is, like, even he wasn't though always he's, evil. No, he wasn't. And even though he is so evil now, 
you still love reading about him because of how intriguing he is. Like, and I that think just again shows how good of an author Suzanne Collins is. I think that's why I am so excited to read the prequel mm-hmm. because it is about him. And I just want to know like how the system failed him so badly that he decided he had to become worse than it in order to mm-hmm. survive. And yeah. and that is something that happens a lot is that like you are given a bad hand and so you either have the choice to fight against it or make yourself worse than it. Yeah, it's like if you can't beat him, join him. And do and better. He sure did. If you can't beat him, take it over. Yeah. And so I I love characters like that where there's just so many layers to it because a lot of the time, like I said, a lot of the time, like villains are just black and white. Like they're just bad and they're evil and they're terrible and there's no rhyme or reason for it. Whereas with him, like, there is a backstory and it is important. Yeah. And we've never read it before and I'm so excited to read it. I'm so excited. (laughs) But then it's like, I hope I'm not attracted to him in the prequel. No, he's like a fucking baddie. I just know it. And like, (laughs) the the prequel is written about, I think, the 10th Hunger Games. And this is what, the 75th? Like, Mm -hmm. he was 18 in the prequel. Ooh. So, like, he's old as fuck and like is still just absolutely terrorizing the world like good for him (laughs) love that for you he really built his little empire yeah like he put some work in for that (laughs) next i would like to talk about a a character that i do not admire and that is gail (laughs) i hate gail fuck gail he's a terrible i got a couple things to say about gail first of all fuck him and let me explain Fuck him for not letting Katniss take her winnings to pay for his family's survival. Like, he wants to act so high and mighty to refuse this money that she literally fought for her fucking life to win and come back to them and provide for their families and he Mm -hmm. won't take the money. No, Like, at least give it to your mom. Yeah, fuck you. Because then it's like, what was it all for? Right. What did like, she did this for fight you? For her life for like she could have just died and everything would have been the same then. Stupid bitch. Also, fuck him bitch. for the stupid little bitch ass kiss that he like surprised Katniss with. And then he was like, "Oh, I just wanted to do it at least once," and then just like pretends that it never happened. <gasps> if like, you can't talk about your feelings, just say that. When he did that in like the movies too, like. You could just tell, like, he had ulterior motives. Like, when it happened, he was like, oh, yeah, this is for the cameras. This is for anybody watching. Like, I'm trying to start some shit. Because he waited till they went back to the gate or the fence. He didn't do it in the woods. No. Like, it was not, like, a heartfelt anything. Like, that was strictly, like, a power move. And it sent Katniss reeling because she was like, oh, shit, like, I... I don't want to hurt his feelings, too. Mm-hmm. But then he didn't bring it up. So she was like, okay, maybe this is fine. And yep. so, yeah. And then she's so, it lingers, though. Because then later, whenever he gets, like, whipped and, I mean, he's in rough shape. Like, he could die. Yeah. She has, like, a fucking crisis right. of emotions. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want him to die. Like, I love him. Because she doesn't know how to process her emotions properly. Yes. Like, 
And she's like, clearly there's so much left unsaid between us because he kissed me. And and now that I'll never get to be. Like, what a manipulative ass. Yeah. Like, obviously, and- she would have been distraught at him being in that position no matter what. Right. But the fact that he had kissed her, it, like, opened up this whole new level of confusion for her. Well, and he is just so clearly, like, someone who craves control over everything. Yeah. Because, and, like, you see that whenever Katniss is, like, telling him about, like, the rebellion. Like, he immediately was like, yes. Like, I want to join the rebellion. I want to lead it here in District 12. And that's because he wants to, like, have just a sliver of control in his Mm -hmm. life, I think. And because Katniss is now PETA, I feel like it was almost exacerbated. And so he's like, well, if I can't control this situation, I'm going to control this one. And so, like, that's not the person that you want in charge of anything. No. And it ends up, like... We'll we'll have more to talk about on that in the third book because yeah. it ends up it, it ends goes up being to bad. his head too much and he fucks up big time he fucks up big time so we're gonna talk about that I'm sure if you guys have read this series you know what we're referring to but fuck him oh it's fuck bad Gale. he's terrible he's a stereotypical man <laughs> <laughs> he was written for the boys he's a boys boy. And that's not a compliment. (laughs) Derogatory. Derogatory. So lastly, we just want to touch on like Prim and Katniss's mom because a lot happens with them in this book that you don't see in the first. And first of all, I did really like at the beginning of the book, Katniss is explaining how she's working on forgiving and trusting her mom again Mm -hmm. because she deserves that. Like she is a child and she deserves to have have the love of a mother. Right. Um, unfortunately, Katniss is is ripped from her sense of normalcy almost immediately. But it it shows how much the the winnings have changed their lives. Like Prim and Katniss's mom are able to work on like helping people. Mm-hmm. Um they work as little healers i guess you'd call them i don't i don't know if they like use a certain word for it but yeah they make they make medicines apothecary yeah so they make medicine and they heal people when they can and prim is learning her mom's trade and she's successful at it she's thriving and her mom's doing really well she's not like catatonic anymore yeah and it's so good to see that i mean it sucks because the only reason that they weren't thriving beforehand is because they were starving to death right and now it's like they oh just... now you're awake because you got your money back like <laughs> you little hell <laughs> no okay. it's like now you're awake because you're not worried that your children are going to die of starvation at any given moment like i get it's it still so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no i know but she deserves a little bit of grace because she, she did does. I just thought it was really, really cool. Um, it's not cool, but when they were watching <laughs> like the videos and stuff, or, like footage from like the past reapings and whatever, how like you could see Katniss's mom and one of them, and like her mm-hmm. friend was the one that had gone to the Hunger Games with Haymitch and yeah. like ended up dying, and so. Katniss's mom, whenever she's talking with Hamish, she was like, it's starting again. And so 
we're going to see, I think, more of that in book three with the rebellion. Like, obviously, there had been, like, maybe rebellion attempts in the past. And so I want to know, like, how involved Katniss's mom was with it was with that. And so I think, you know, because, you know, like, you know, she's got a fighter spirit because otherwise, where would Katniss get this from? Right. Because it's not her dad. Her dad was very much a a loving, gentle man. Yeah. And, and so I think that fight is all from Katniss's mom, but it's just been extinguished. In her. Yeah. Yeah. Like she has just been absolutely crushed by the world. But just seeing her interacting with Haymitch, like obviously they have like a different type of relationship than what has been led on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very, very excited to talk about her mom in the next book. Agreed. That's it for like the characters, really. I mean, obviously, there are more side characters, but we just touched on some of the main ones. <laughs> We're going to throw out some thoughts and concerns here. First of all, and I know, I know this is the entire point, but the concept of a victory tour is so horrifying. It's so jacked up. <laughs> like, okay, children. You survived, so now you have to go to each of the districts and stare at the families and loved ones of the other kids that did not survive. Really rub it in their face. face. Like, really just squash their hopes and dreams. Especially because they take, like, the literal families of the districts that didn't die and they put them on stage with the victors. Like, it is fucked, dude. Like, that is truly heinous. And, like... It's just, like, the capital is twisted. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to keep reminding you of how you tried to uprise, and, like, we are just going to grind you to the ground. Truly. In the worst way possible. They're good at what they do, because that's that's villainous. Isn't it just <laughs> crazy, though, how, like, 75 years have passed since yeah. this, and, like, somehow each year it just gets worse. Like, instead of it slowly, like fading and being forgotten about and you know maybe ties start to get a little stronger they're like no each year i'm gonna make it harder for you well it does because i mean president snow is he's attempting to hold on to this power that they have so he just keeps driving it further and further because he knows that the rebellion is not squashed and so he's like let me just keep showing you that you're not the ones in control and he makes it so so scary so abundantly clear um also speaking of like the horrible shitty things that the capital does that fucking liquid that they use to throw up so they can eat more that was just one thing that like really stuck with me and it's like they obviously are doing just like worse things but Mm -hmm. like you just have to remember like show like signs of like gluttony and like wealth and power are all things that like people in the capital just latch on to mm-hmm. and so the fact that Katniss was like oh my god like I physically cannot eat any more food at this feast they're like that is going to really um what's the word I'm looking for like offend mm-hmm. you know everyone holding this feast so drink this and throw your food up and keep eating because this is a sign of power yeah Like, what? And, of course, that is a massive slap in the face to people who are watching children starve to death where they're from. Another, like, thing that it doesn't have to do with the victory tour, but, like, 
they so like they started taking all of like the original peacekeepers and stuff out of the the different cities and like replacing them with mm-hmm. like worse people and so whenever Darius who was like a relatively good person who was a peacekeeper genuinely I think cared about the people in Katniss's territory <clears throat> and like was just dealing with what he was given and trying to make the best of it like when he showed up as an AVOX at the Capitol like that made me so sad and I don't yeah. know why it made me so sad but like that was one that like well, really because these people the peacekeepers of course not the horrible shitty ones but the ones like Darius who they were they were just doing the job so that their families could eat and you know they were doing it in a way that was graceful and respectful of Mm -hmm. the people in the districts yeah understanding that of course they're not welcome there as a peacekeeper and really just trying to blend in make the best of it yeah and and be there so that someone worse doesn't come do the job right which is exactly what ends up happening because he was too good of a person for that role Uh, it was just so sad yeah it really is and then the idea of like the quarter quell too like you already have the hunger games and the Hunger Games are bad, and each year they get worse, but then they're like, we're going to top it off yeah, and have, like, this super-duper special 75th anniversary of yeah. the Hunger Games. I kind of love like, it. <laughs> like, get ready, guys. <laughs> this is the Olympics of the Hunger Games, and it's going to be insane. Like, the one where they had um, children of previous victors be... Yeah. The tributes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. So it just goes I'm to sure show that. I'm sure that's why none of them have kids. Yeah. Even when you're a victor, you haven't won anything. Yeah. Like, you, like, if anything, the target on your back is bigger. Yeah. Like, what a crazy concept. <laughs> it's wild. It's like, so evil. I'm sure the year of the 24th Hunger Games, they're like, okay, guys. Next year's what is, big, huh? Yeah, next year's a it's a big year for us as a company. Like, what are <laughs> we going to do? They were sitting around like a conference room. Yeah, like, they were in like a meeting. boardroom. <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, guys, they throw up a PowerPoint. Like, here's what I'm thinking, like, <laughs> as a way to absolutely scar these people for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know what? It's good, but it's it's lacking. It's like they have a like a whole suggestion certain... box for like, what do you want to see in the 25th annual Hunger Games? Oh, absolutely. You know, they do. God, terrible. Just have them at every street corner in the capital. Yeah. Suggestion box. Um, one thing I did really like in this book was just that there was like immediate camaraderie between like some of the opponents, even if they didn't like each other, mm-hmm. like even if they were very wary of each other, there was just a mutual understanding yeah. between everyone that was there because they'd already been through this. And so I think there was like just some underlying respect for every single one of the opponents because yeah. they fought to be there. And exactly. I thought that was really cool. And they're like, we know we know things are gonna get worse. Like we're gonna end. have to kill each other. But they were like, let's just set that aside for now. And <laughs> because that's all we can do. So terrible situation, but I I did like that they at least had some respect for the others they were with. 
So next we're, yeah, a couple little symbolism things. So first of all, the symbols of rebellion from the first book all carry over through the second and third book as well. So the Mockingjay, Ruse, Song, the Salute from District 12, and Senna's wardrobe design. Yeah, I know. And it's, oh God, yeah, it's heartbreaking. The victory tour that takes them to District 11, Katniss is like, I have to say something like I have to express my gratitude for Rue. And so a guy in the crowd whistles Rue's song and then they all salute Katniss with the district 12 salute. And And Katniss murdered. Yes. Katniss witnesses the peacekeepers and murder the guy who whistled. And she knows that, that this is so much more serious than she realized. Mm -hmm. And Um, that's really when everything, you know, started getting worse too. Because immediately after that happens, um, District 8 rebels. Like, they they have, mm-hmm. like, a whole uprising. And yeah. so they're like, ooh, this is bad. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they would have, well, maybe they cut the cameras. Because Effie is like, I don't know what just happened. The cameras cut out. So maybe yeah. they did cut the cameras. I, I think they did, but Katniss still saw it. But yes. um, still, like, that started to spark like the uprise in mm-hmm. District Eight, yeah. Um, so of course, it probably would have been even worse if the Capitol had kept oh the cameras my rolling and the people saw how the peacekeepers reacted. Um, next, President Snow's like roses that he wears, mm-hmm. and Katniss even like smells the scent of blood when he's near. So these, of course, symbolize the bloodshed he's responsible for. And to me, it really, like with his name being President Snow and the Red Rose, it really creates that imagery in my mind of like spilled blood against white mm-hmm. snow. And so I just think like that's genius. It's He's smart. He's a smart, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like Katniss recognizes, yes, he has genetically modified this rose to smell like roses and blood. Like it's fucked up. He was um, like, I need something super special if someone can whip that up for me. Yeah, and they're like, sure, of course. The Also, the arena being a clock face. Mm-hmm. I feel like this could symbolize a couple things. So with a clock face, um, of course, it's like, it symbolizes like time is ticking, it's counting right. down to something. So it's like, I think what the game makers intended was like, oh, it's counting down to their deaths. Like, isn't yeah. that cute? But I think... Like what Plutarch was really thinking is it's counting down to to the rebellion to the rebellion. He's like yeah. it's counting down to fucking go time. He's like T minus three days well, yeah. or however long, and because shit's kicking off. He even says that like at the uh, the feast at President Snow's mansion, he shows Katniss like his watch. watch face mm-hmm. and was like it starts at midnight, mm-hmm. and she was like fuck does that mean he like walked away is like when you like to know and so whenever they figure out it's a clock she's like oh yeah and on his watch face the way he like he like brushed his hand his finger across it and it like revealed a mocking jay too so katniss was like okay i sort of understand what you're telling me but i don't but like i don't (laughs) know if i can trust you yeah she's like surely you're telling me that you're a part of the rebellion, but she's like, I don't understand what you want me to to glean from this conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was very smart on his part. It was, and it helped her, of course, figure out when they were in the arena what was going on. 
Um, so we have some discussion questions. Um, one of them, Caitlin just wants to piggyback off of <laughs> last week's discussion. If you want to go ahead. Okay. So this was really my aha moment because of course, when you first asked the question last week of like, <laughs> can you imagine if uh TikTok existed when mm-hmm. the Hunger Games came out? I was thinking like, like we had in to the do book. like a deep dive into some TikTok yes, stuff. Because because I was unfamiliar with the Eddie Munson thing on TikTok. And if you guys are unfamiliar with it, if you want to live in ignorance, I, I respect That's that. That's okay. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. However, if you're curious what the hell we're talking about, <laughs> just type in to your TikTok search. I typed in Eddie Munson and then the word cringe like autofilled. And I was like, yeah, that's probably what I'm looking for. Um, it was, and it was offensive. So look into that. <laughs> truly crimes against humanity. <laughs> truly scary. It's what nightmares are made of. But you asked, of course, like what would happen if this came out when TikTok existed? And we but delivered. <laughs> I I want to say something similar did happen. And of course, TikTok didn't exist. But the fucking, like, I don't even know what to call it. The, like, are you, are you going to the, that yes, one? Yes, but I'm trying to think of like a word, like the, the trendification. Mm-hmm. Okay. The trendification of something. And this wasn't even done ironically. This was done in all seriousness. <laughs> this but was purposeful. The, um, the hanging tree song makes an appearance in the third book, Mocking Jay. And so for the third movie, they actually like produced this song. They wrote a little melody to it and it's a song. It's about the government slaughtering its people who are rebelling against them. People took this song through a fucking dubstep beat remix on it and Blasted it on the radio for months. In the clubs, in the radio, in people the grocery store. Loving to this song. You were driving to work and this song just came on. Like, are you, are you, like, sir, read the room. It is about, like, the hangman's news. Like, it is about getting executed for your crimes yeah, against I the do government. I that. Can you imagine how much that song would have trended on TikTok? That's what I'm saying is this is this is what made me think of it. Yeah. If TikTok existed, this for sure would have been so bad. And I genuinely I just think people are so silly goofy sometimes because why would you do that? They would have made the most disrespectful (laughs) video. with that song like why would you do that because again this song while it's a made-up song from a made-up universe in a book series it is realistic in ways that are are truly not that far removed from today's time because there were people who were enslaved who were tread upon like that who were hung off of trees like i just so insensitive i just want you guys to do a um a little google search and just like type in you know like history of lynchings and you know just kind of educate yourselves about why it's not appropriate to turn that into a remix but people did it and it was on the radio like the song for the movie 
that's fine. Whatever. Like, well, they, because it was yeah. made in all seriousness. Yeah. Like, and they weren't trying to do anything with that. But no, like, like that in itself was appropriate because they were using it to represent like, yes, we're but, rising up against the government. People are losing their lives for it. Like Sinna. Sinna did lose his life in the rebellion. Yeah. And this song was kind of a tribute to that. What's not appropriate is to turn it into a club dance remix. Or, like, who was the fucker who was like, hey, can I buy the rights to this song so I can play it on air, like, on the radio? Yeah. Like, yeah, of course you can. And it happened everywhere. And, of course, the people who produce the movies and stuff are probably the ones responsible for this. I don't blame Suzanne Collins for anything. I she think did not do this. This she is not wrote on her. It in all sincerity, and she wrote it in a way that was genuine and respectful. Um, what happened with the media and was not marketing for the movie was not respectful. And I had sort of repressed that memory, mm-hmm. and just something about like pondering your question about TikTok brought it back to my mind. Well, because again, like we were so young when these came out mm-hmm. that we were like, fuck yeah, I love this movie and I love every and I love these characters. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with every single thing that comes out of this. And so when they're like, we've made this song available for you on the radio, we're like, hell yeah. Yeah. And I probably was like, yes, I absolutely like I really enjoy these movies and i want to consume all of the media related yeah. to these movies without thinking about you know the the negative repercussions of that and i can guarantee you that if i ever sang along to this song i was not pondering the actual meaning of the lyrics no but like as a, as a fully functioning adult with a working <laughs> brain now i'm like oh my god with a fully developed brain a fully developed frontal cortex i can tell you now that it's not appropriate. It's not. Don't listen to that. Or don't sing along to that like that. You can listen to it in the context of the movie. And but, that's it. But yeah, no. So to answer this week's question, last <clears throat> week's question, it would be bad. It would be so disrespectful. <laughs> it would not be good. People yeah. don't know how to act right. Like they get on the internet <laughs> and they're like, I can do whatever i want to and post whatever i want to lose their privileges sometimes and it's like you do have a digital footprint and you should keep that (laughs) in mind when you post things but no you can find anything that girl specifically who makes the eddie munson videos she's still doing she should be in jail and i i found out that i had her blocked in doing this research because i don't know if it was the eddie munson video that i saw you guys will immediately find her. It's probably number one on there. It was. Yeah. And it's upsetting. And you it's, won't be able to sleep. I blocked her from that video. <laughs> yeah. It could have been that video. It could have been something else. Because she's still doing it to this day. Terrible. Wow. Question two. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, We talked quite a bit about the love triangle that Katniss is forced into. So let's discuss <clears throat> how that has developed over the second book. Yeah. So let's let's start with Katniss and Gail, because I feel like there's a little less like it would be a little less of a conversation. Katniss, of course, loves Gail. She has said that from the beginning. She cherishes her friendship with him and she cares for him deeply. She is upset because when she gets home, you know, she fought for her life to get back to those that she loves. 
Gail's ignoring her. He's not he's showing mad up. At her. He's <laughs> mad at her. He's not showing up to the woods. And she is like, she's fully about to accept that this is her new reality. And when one day he just shows up. He's mad at her because she pretended, again, pretended to be in love with Peta so that she could live. To so survive. She could survive and make it back to her mom and sister and Gail and his family. Um, yes. And that is set right with him. He's like, he was like, do you know how, how embarrassing it is for me? He's like, we. do you know how embarrassing it is for me to have these people show up from the Capitol and be like, oh, you're her cousin because you're too attractive and we don't want them to think. And he was like, no, I do want them to think. Like, do you know how embarrassing? Like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> were you in here, like, absolutely scared for your life every single day like I was? I don't think you were. Yeah. He is genuinely upset with her. And, well, doesn't even have the balls to say that to her. The audacity of men in, like, is yeah. actually insane. <laughs> Truly. And just the fact that he does not even acknowledge that he's acted like this. He just shows up back in the woods. And Katniss is like, oh, thank God. Like, I didn't lose my one and only friend in this world. Because Peta's mad at her, too, for good yeah. reasons. For, yeah. for totally valid and fair reasons. But <laughs> Peta is also mad. Not mad that she doesn't have a crush on him. Mad that she lied to him. Everyone has lied to him forever. Yeah. So that's the thing with Gail. We already talked about the manipulative kiss and he fucking sucks. Fuck Gail. But again, at the time, I was like, yeah, you really, you did betray him. You hurt like, him. You, you hurt, hurt him. him. <laughs> well, when I read the books as a kid, I was actually more Team Peta. For some reason, I just had like this like deep rooted hatred for Peta. No, I don't. So, people know why. did. People did. They were either Team Gale or Team Peta. It was I the was Twilightification. On the wrong team. <laughs> I mean, you didn't know. Your brain was again like, was underdeveloped. Like this is your best friend. Like how could you betray him like that? And then yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong? And the with way me? that my teenage brain saw it, or preteen brain, is more appropriate. The m- way that my little brain saw it is, Gail, you guys are best friends. Like, you're not in a romantic relationship. And so I saw it as him, like, being unreasonable. Yeah. Which he was unreasonable. Yeah. And so like, I was You're not like, wrong. Uh, but, I mean, it's funny because what we really should have been looking at it. Was like, did you was- almost die? Yeah, no. like, ultimately, we're Team Katniss. Like, I can do whatever the fuck I want to because <laughs> I'm the only one who did anything for any of you. <laughs> oh, I wish she would have just gone off on him. So, but yeah. No, because she's That's insecure. And she's a 17-year-old. And she was like, no, I can't lose this only sense of stability in my life. Like, <laughs> it's fucked up, dude. So That's then terrible. Katniss and Peta. I am on she, Team PETA now. Actually, I'm on, I'm on Team Everyone Should Mind Their Own Business and yeah, maybe not to be in a romantic relationship. Yeah, 100%. And PETA, of course, I'm sure those feelings for Katniss haven't gone away. Of course, they would still exist because those those feelings don't just disappear. No. But he eventually is able to be the mature one and be like, Katniss... I want to apologize for the way I acted. 
um, when we were coming back from the games, I just was obviously really hurt. And I want us to be friends. Like I want to be a team again. And Katniss is like, thank God. And then they get, of course, thrown back into it and they have to pretend to be in love some more and then pretend to be pregnant together. So it's like really upsetting for her. A horrible experience. But I mean, it was such a smart move on PETA's part because I don't, I think if he had it like surprised her the way that he did, she would have not been able to perform well Mm -hmm. under that pressure. And she knows that about herself. Yeah. And so I don't think she's mad at all. Like she even said, like that was a really smart thing to do, but Mm -hmm. how sad. It really is. And I just ultimately. It comes back to just feeling bad for Katniss because she has not asked for any of this. She is a pawn. She's an important pawn, but she's a pawn in the rebellion. Well, and she's just so tired. <laughs> like she just so wants some tired. rest. And like she's been single-handedly taking care of her family since she was eleven years old. She has not had a single fucking break like give her a break and then on top of that like she's got this love triangle or she's got like this you know whole thing that she's trying to convince the world she's in love with them while also being like the face of the rebellion like yeah yeah like Like, you pick what you need me to do she's like i can't do both like it's exhausting that's a lot for someone to take on yeah it's genuinely upsetting and i feel bad for her and like, unfortunately, like I hate to say it too, but it just continues to get worse. Her love life just simply does not ever get better. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And she, I think she realizes her reality pretty early on in the second book. She's like, okay, because hey, Mitch is straight up with her. He's like, you understand that this means there's no out now. Like yeah. you, you're essentially engaged to Peta. And if you ever leave him, like, there's going to be, like, issues. Yeah. And she's like, oh. Like, when you put it straight up like that, like, Like, that's a little scary. That's terrifying. Because, again, she is a child. All in all, amazing book. Upsetting concepts. (laughs) Fantastic (laughs) piece of literature, though. Yes, 100%. And I cannot wait for next week when we discuss the third book, Mockingjay. Which is... Not catching fire, Which believe not it or catching not. Catching fire, it's mocking Jay, and I'm so excited to read that and talk about it with you guys. Um, the week after that, we are going to be discussing the prequel to the Hunger Games series, A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and that will, uh, besides the mini so kind of wrap up the Hunger Games series. So some really good books coming up these next couple weeks. So go ahead, get started on Mocking Jay. We'll talk to you next week. And as always, let's get lit. <laughs>